From McKinsey's Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice, I'm Sean Brown, and welcome to Inside the Strategy Room. Today, we're talking with Celia Huber, a senior partner in McKinsey's Silicon Valley office and a leader in our strategy and corporate finance practice. Celia led groundbreaking work on the issue of gender diversity on boards and how companies can accelerate their diversity efforts and benefit from them as well. Celia, welcome, and let's start with a bit of background on why you launched this research and some of your findings. Thanks, Sean. It's great to be here. Uh, in thinking about research and diversity on boards, we saw a lot of articles uh, about how the number just isn't moving. In the U.S., the overall number for publicly traded companies is still a little bit below or around 20% given the particular year. And we have recently seen articles uh, about FTSE traded companies mm -hmm. in the U.K. We wanted to turn that around a little bit. And instead of saying, gee, we're not making any progress, really look at the companies who have made progress. Okay. So what we did was rank the S&P 500 in terms of their gender diversity on their boards, mm -hmm. looked at the top 50 companies. Mm -hmm. Those top 50 companies have over 33% uh, women average. representation on average on their boards. And wow. the highest are uh, is over 50%. Wow. And so thinking through what have those companies that have been successful done to make a difference, as opposed to really dwelling on the numbers and the overall trend. And what's your perspective on how long it took some of those really leading companies to get there? Was it a multi-year effort to build up their boards? In thinking about how to get there, it, it is a multi-year effort even sometimes to have one woman join the board. Okay. And the reason is one of the best practices we found was about building a pipeline. Okay. So it's just not, oh, I have a board opening, I'm gonna go look for a diverse candidate right. that fits all my needs. Right. Um, the companies that do this well, both their chairman, other board members, and their CEO keep a constant list and are networking for potential board members. Mm -hmm. And that's how they think about it. Um, one of them told me it takes roughly two years to cultivate a female board member. And so really thinking about it that way changes the dynamic. I don't just hire the search firm and say, hey, find someone right away. Got it. So it, this is a multi-year journey, if you will. Um, and what about how they're cultivating and identifying these potential board candidates? Is it through their own networks? What, what are some of the ways that a, a woman who's interested in getting involved in boards could sort of plug into that? First of all, it, it is about networks, but the companies that have been in successful have said it's not about the traditional networks we've been using. I really want to expand my network. If I already have women board members, they can sometimes help me expand my network. I, When I go to conferences, I look at the speakers and say, oh, those might be interesting board members. Uh, and I explicitly ask people, who's one of the best women CFOs you know? Sure. And then start to network towards those people. And the other thing that is important is really changing the criteria. Okay. okay. So we talked about networking. The thing that goes hand in hand with networking is expanding the criteria of who you're looking for. Which expands the universe. Which expands the universe. Okay. So traditionally, the companies in the S&P 500 that are publicly traded mm -hmm. um, look for CEOs, former CEOs, retired CEOs to join their boards. Sometimes if they're business unit heads at a big company. 
of course, you and I both know there are not a lot of women CEOs, so that pool is naturally very limited. Sure. So to think through the next level down of what is the skill set that I really want to bring? Yep. How does that skill set relate to experiences that women would have out there? Sure. And then what does that pool look like? So the companies that do this well have released some of the ingoing criteria that they used to use mm -hmm. and are now thinking a bit more expansively. Are those same leading companies doing anything to help develop their next generation of women leaders to become board members? Yes. So uh, I'm glad you asked about development because the companies that do this really well have a mindset, not just about their board members, but also about cultivating their own senior women leaders mm -hmm. and encouraging them to start on small boards, nonprofit boards, right. get some of that experience right. so that they can start to see what it's like. It helps their development both within their current job, sure. but it also positions them well for this, their own CEO to recommend them to another company as a potential board member. Were you seeing any industry trends, any particular industries that did a better job of this? On sectors, it, this part was really interesting to me because I had assumed what we would find is certain sectors have more women on the boards and their spikes that way. That was not true. Even in retail, which one would argue has the most women at entry level, sure. women as customers, it, it was a variety of percentages of gender diversity on the boards. And even in retail, uh, it was the CEO and chairman who explicitly had to put uh, women on the board and make that a goal uh, to make this really happen. At the same time, we talked to some engineering companies, software companies that had also done the same thing, and arguably in areas where it is more difficult to find women. But because they think about expanding their criteria and networking, they were able to tap into some of the same pool of women that might, say, be a retail board member. So building on uh, the earlier point about how um, these, these CEOs and chairs are not only helping um, build you know, a larger network of potential uh, female board candidates, that they're also looking at their organizations and helping bring up uh, women within their executive ranks. Any other things that you'd want to comment on as far as the, the, the trickle down there, if you will? The CEOs and boards that were in this top 50 companies on gender diversity have a very holistic mindset of thinking through women's development and gender diversity all through the pipeline. What's more important is those companies also think through inclusion in general sure. and the pipeline of more junior women look up and say, oh, this is really important. My CEO is walking the talk by changing the board dynamics. And so there has been a nice trickle down of that commitment into the rest of the company. It's not just about the board. It's actually about the whole culture uh, starting at the board level. Yeah. Can you share with us you know, some of the reactions that clients and other executives have had to the report and, um, and any dynamics that have changed over the last year? I think there, there have been a couple of reactions. First, the overall number has not moved. So it is as relevant today as it was when we did the research and wrote the article. Mm -hmm. One of the things that was really enlightening was the CEO of GenPAC mm -hmm. uh, talked about how he actually expanded the board in added seats in board. order to change the uh, gender makeup of the board. And so rather than waiting for it to happen, and 
a number of companies that have looked at that said, oh, you know, that was a good idea. That wasn't necessarily in their purview of what they were thinking about changing in order to change gender diversity. But adding a board seat, adding a board seat if you know someone's rolling off soon but not quite yet, uh, might be another way to go after it. What are some of the first steps that a CEO or a chair need to take to make this a priority? If you want to start down this journey of making these changes, the first thing to do is to really have the commitment and mindset to do it. And that's not just the CEO and the board chair, but rather the whole board should think that it's important because you need to harness the whole board to build that pipeline I was talking about. Um, so that's the first step. Sure. I think the second step is really around the pipeline and understanding what skill sets would be helpful to your board. If I need a digital marketer, you know, uh, starting to make that list and at the same time making the list of women that you've met that could be potential candidates and then getting to know them. As you think about moving down this journey, yes. you need to think about how all the members of the board fit together. Yes. And the CEO of Estee Lauder had a very nice analogy that, in his mind, it's like a symphony. I need to think about all the players. I need a um, percussion section. I need a flautist. And how do I put all those things together and really, uh, the, as board chair, being the conductor along with the CEO to make that happen? Historically, that pattern recognition of being in the club and fitting tended to be looking at mostly male networks and ended up with mostly men who could fit in that board, would be collaborative and collegial with each other, knew each other. Going forward, as he thinks about it, it's really about looking harder for the right fit. But the fit is still important, not just in skills, but how they're going to meld with the rest of the board. And that's one of the reasons why building the pipeline can take longer. You want the candidate to know the board and the board to know the candidate so that both she and the board are ultimately successful when she decides to take a position. In the U.S., oftentimes the CEO is also the board chair. Um, in the examples of the companies that had done really well, 50% and up, um, what was the CEO also the chair? Were there any, was there any relationship between the driver here? Um, was the typical driver, the CEO, the board chair, the lead, you know, the lead, uh, director? So Sean, we didn't look at that explicitly. I will tell you in the interviews I did, there was typically a split role between the CEO and the chairman. Uh, and I think if you look at the way governance is heading, particularly for those largest S&P 500 companies, that tends to be the trend. I wouldn't go as far as to say that that is a determinant of which boards were finding mm -hmm. uh, more gender diversity, because I will tell you in every instance, it was a shared vision mm -hmm. from the CEO and the chairman. And in fact, the CEO was as much a driver, if not more, than the chairman. I mean, you, you talked about some of the common excuses in the article. I think one of the, the challenges in the article was, you know, I don't have, there aren't enough women in, you know, my industry, my space, what have you. Would you want to talk a little bit about how they're bringing women into the boards from other industries? A lot of companies tell us, gee, in my industry, 
or for certain technical skills. I cannot find anyone. And in fact, if you do the combination of my industry, the technical skill I'm looking for, and they have to have X many years experience, or they have to be a former CEO, it's a null set. And what we've seen people who are successful just relaxing that. So one large S&P company uh, looked for e-commerce and technical skills. And instead of looking at other large companies, looked at the startup world, mm -hmm. found a great CEO and founder of her own company, brought her on the board, both changed the average age of the board members, but also changed the gender diversity and sure. really brought a new perspective to bear. I think the boards that are successful are looking at uh, innovative and creative ways of expanding their pipeline that way. So in some ways you're killing two birds with one stone. You're getting someone who is more, say, digitally savvy, and you're also diversifying um, you know, the board from a gender perspective. Right, that's right. That's great. Having led this research and now looked at the impact over the last uh, few years, how do you feel about it? Where do you think it's going? So, Sean, I was really inspired after doing this research in conducting the interviews with a smattering of the top 50 companies. Mm -hmm. What I found was a set of executives and chairmen that are really dedicated and putting a lot of action and effort behind changing gender diversity on their boards. And I think that's a very different story than what you see in the headlines about no movement as well as there were practical things that came out of this that could be done. So I'm feeling very optimistic. Is the list of the, those top 50 companies available in your article? It is. It is available in the article. So if you look us up on McKinsey.com, you can find all the details there. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Celia. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us inside the Strategy Room. You can find an edited transcript of this podcast on McKinsey.com along with the latest insights from the strategy and corporate finance practice. Please be sure to connect with us there and on LinkedIn and Twitter.